Welcome to Worship with Central Presbyterian Church, 133 Genesee Street in the village of Avon, Reverend Karen Farmer, Pastor. Good morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, you're welcome to worship on this second Sunday of Lent. I do have announcements. This Tuesday's Lenten Luncheon, and we are continuing to work through the Lord's Prayer. We are united in Christ. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To this peace we are called as members of a single body. The peace of Christ be with you all. turn to our call to worship. You who fear the Lord, praise him. Stand in awe of God, him. The Lord hears when we cry for help. All the ends of the earth remember and turn to God. We will remove the gold cross from worship this day. We'll remember the wooden one. Welcome
as in Lent we turn to confession, knowing that in Jesus there is forgiveness abundant. So let us join in our prayer of confession. Eternal God, our judge and redeemer, we confess that we have tried to hide from you, for we have done wrong. We have lived for ourselves and apart from you. We have turned from our neighbors and refused to bear the burdens of others. We have ignored the pain of the world and passed by the hungry, the poor, and the oppressed. In your great mercy, forgive our sins and free us from selfishness, that we may choose you and obey your commandments. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. in mercy and great in forgiveness. God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Amen. Today's reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter 17, verses 1 to 7 and 15 to 16. Before I get to the reading, I want to share with you some of the things I learned in the commentaries. In this reading we're about to hear, Abram and Sarai receive new names. Name changes in the Bible are extremely important. By changing their name, God is giving them not only a new identity, but a new purpose. So it's important to know what the name meant before, so the new name makes sense. Abram means exalted father. And that's going to be transformed to Abraham, father of the multitudes, or ancestor of multitudes. Sarai, which means my princess, is transformed to Sarah, which means mother of nations. And with this in mind, here is the reading for today. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me 
and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. And this ends the first reading.
Our second reading for this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. It says I'm supposed to start at 31, but I'm going to back it up to 27. So let us listen for God's word. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all of this quite openly. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And he called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. What does it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life. Indeed, what can you give in return for your life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. This ends our gospel reading for this morning. If you're reading along in Mark, those disciples have seen some miracles. They've seen the feeding of the 4,000 and Jesus healing a blind man. They recognize that he is the Messiah which means he's the anointed one of God. And I think they have a clear understanding of what Messiah is to be about. And your Messiah and a cross don't go together. Messiahs, anointed ones, are kings, like King Saul. Or King David. And so I think Peter and the others might remember that David didn't have an easy rise to being the king. After all, he was anointed while Saul was still the anointed king. And Saul 
Well, he was jealous. He did not like King David's popularity with the troops as a military leader. Saul set a ridiculous bridal price of Philistine foreskins for his daughter, Michael, in the hopes that one of those Philistines would kill David. Saul didn't like his daughter's love for him. Saul really didn't like his son Jonathan's friendship with him. And David spent years on the run, dodging King Saul's attempts to kill him. And at the same time, when David had chances to kill Saul, he said no. Because Saul was God's anointed. And David would not raise his hand against Saul. So Peter might have expected Jesus as the anointed one to have a difficult time rising to power. But he would have remembered that King David died in his bed not on a cross. I think when Peter is thinking about the Messiah, he's thinking about having Judah and Jerusalem back under the control of a God-anointed monarchy. Crosses are not a part of that picture. Crosses were instruments of torture and death. Executions were public and designed to strike fear in the population. Jesus was crucified between two thieves, but for this level of punishment for thieves, Most of the commentators suggest they were probably closer to highway robbers. They were disrupting interstate or inter-empire commerce. And without that commerce, the Roman Empire does not function. The cross was punishment for treason, sedition, Allegations were made that Jesus claimed he was a king, that he was God's son. It's an idea that he was starting a revolution and the masses were following him. We catch glimpses of the masses that he fed the 4,000. that he fed 5,000. Peter can't imagine Jesus picking up a cross and carrying it to his execution site.
were 2,000 years later. And the cross for us holds comfort instead of fear. In fact, the cross is kind of decorative. We have it on bumper stickers and coffee mugs and necklaces and wall hangings and T-shirts. We have crosses on almost everything. And we tell people to take up their cross. And that seems to mean anything and everything. Tell people to take up their cross when they're in the middle of, I'll say, some shallow struggles. Figuring out what's for dinner every night and making grocery shopping and the laundry and the whatnot of daily life. Well, oh, you got to take up your cross. And we use it for deeper and more scarring challenges. People battling cancer, mourning a child, <coughs> foregoing food so their kid can eat, trying to care for a parent that needs more care than you can give personally or needs more care than you're trained to give. We kind of lump everything together and tell people to take up their cross. I'd say we also have um, some significant pronoun difficulties with this passage. If you read what Jesus says, Jesus says, if you wish to follow him, you need to take up your cross and follow him. He doesn't say that if you wish to follow him, you need to tell everybody else to pick up their crosses and follow him. Historically, one of the ways that this is played out is not, I need to pick up my cross, but you need to bear yours. There's a history of generations of white pastors telling slaves that slavery is their cross to bear. But oddly, I haven't found the sermon yet where the pastor stands up and tells slave owners that they should pick up the cross of doing their own work. Or they should pick up the cross and pay their employees instead of owning them. We might suggest poverty is somebody's cross in life, even as they work full-time and can't make basic ends meet. We tell people to pick up their crosses, and we leave ours, leaning against a wall or laying on the ground. I think when our cross is light and our life is good, we're called to help others carry their crosses. 
lest they collapse on the way. You might want to know how. Well, we donate to the food pantry and do what we can to lighten the load of folks who are struggling to make ends meet. We give away clothes we don't wear. We give them here. And while we sell things at the rummage sale, they are less than what you would pay elsewhere for them. And when the school nurse or the school social worker calls us and says there's a need, we don't sell those things at all. Because people are in need. We help others bear their crosses when we give to the heat fund. When we pray for those struggling to defeat addictions, when we look to see who needs help and how we can help. There is another side of this. If your cross is getting heavy, please ask for help. Please, please ask for help. There is an entire community here, ideally filled with folks who have been trained to carry crosses. And if your cross is heavy, we can help. And if your cross is light, rejoice and look for those who need help. It's all part of that following Jesus. There's a hymn. It's an old one. We use the tune as the congregational response. Some of you may have known it from, I'll say, back in the day. But it goes a little like this. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone. There's a cross for me. Find your cross. If it's light, find someone else's. Help one another carry their loads. Amen. You've been listening to the 10 a.m. service from Central Presbyterian Church in the village of Avon. This radio ministry has been made possible by Stokey Farms, 656 South Road in Scottsville. We at Central Presbyterian Church believe that the love of God should flow through us to our members, our community, our nation, and the world. Visit us on the web at cpcavon.org or call 226-2626.